can he be successful enough to kind of rip that job from uh, from Latroy Hawkins' cold, dead hands? I really liked that acquisition. I think that he's going to shock some folks. Very interested in Shane Green. There must be like somebody's boss that watches these games through Twitter because, damn it, these tweets are out of control this spring. Given the that Tim Federovich or whatever is his backup. By the way, I got to give you credit on Federovich. I know you've I, I've heard you talk. I do listen to the <laughs> podcast. I've heard you talk about having player pronunciation issues. Welcome to episode 211 of the Sleeper in the Bus. It's your Sunday edition coming to you on Wednesday because that's how we roll sometimes. I am Paul Spohr, joined by Mr. Jason Collette. Jason, how are you, sir? Uh, I'm pretty fantastic because the Eraser is now on my favorite team. There you go, man. One of one of your favorite kind of, you know, second, third tier guys. I don't know how far how far down we'd, we'd, we'd say, but uh, this guy we've been following for years. Now he's on your favorite team. Hopefully they can do something with him because, uh, first off, that's one of their strengths is kind of getting the most out of pitchers. And this is a guy who's got talent. You know, we'll, we'll talk a bit about that. We've got some more pressing news that we'll get to. Uh, we'll do some more outfielder previews here, and then we'll get going. But uh, we had some travel conflicts. I was feeling pretty garbagey on Sunday night, and that's why we, we had to push. But you're still getting your uh your your sunday edition just a few days later let's dive into the news there's some some really important news it's uh, uh like i said usually in spring training it's bad news unfortunately billy butler pulls a hamstring out two to three months now stealing third base in the seventh inning of tuesday's spring training game and i just I, what, what what's happening here why why is he stealing third base in the seventh inning of a game though that's what i can't figure yeah you know, it's incredibly unfortunate because he had such a, a great read uh, on the pit. He had a great lead pitcher was just totally ignoring mm-hmm. him, ignoring him because it's Billy Butler back exactly. there. Exactly. But, you know, the A's are really trying to push the pedal. They're not going to be a big power hitting team this year. So they've been, you know, if you could take the extra base, take the extra base. And that applies to everybody. Billy Butler, pitchers in interleague games, whatever it is, you do it. He was just following coach's orders. This one sucks. He was having a great spring, too. So that that's unfortunate. Um some decent news on, on the injury front here. Surprising to me, but I, I, I was surprised to read this. Brandon Morrow had, had an MRI, what's new, but it came back clean. Not only that, Dr. James Andrews declared it the, one of the cleanest MRIs he's seen in his career. How, you know, how's and, that and, happen? You know, San Diego, that's where, that's where medical, mar, medical marvels happen. We saw it way back in the past when Ken Kimnetti became this great player there and other guys in San Diego. But you know, the healthcare system in the United States has some issues. And you get closer to Mexico and you can go over there and get access to other drugs that the FDA won't clear. Apparently, Brandon Morrow got a hold of something that made his that made his elbow and his shoulder, everything that's falling apart on him, look brand new. So hopefully it'll be good for him. That's awesome. And yeah, if he gets that job locked down, I think we could look at least 180 innings out of him. I don't know about the 200, but I'd book him for 180 pretty easily right now. Uh, well, I mean, if you can get 200 plus out of Brandon McCarthy in 2014, anything's possible. That much is very true. And then this one, this one was even even more damaging. Another one that's a long-term injury. Clay Buckholtz out two to three months with a broken heart because of a mean tweet by Jason Collette. Dude, I, I, it's the Uncle Cletus look. You know, he's still going to be my boyfriend, but you, when you love someone, you know, you ha- they say beauty is skin deep, but when you look at that greasy hair, the Uncle <laughs> Cletus thing is really getting to me. <laughs> he's a slack-jawed yokel. And if that one didn't give it away, folks... I don't. I can't help you because that that should have been the dead giveaway there that uh, these three were uh, our April Fools' jokes, and I, I think we sold them pretty well, Jason. I think we tried. I tried to get through the last one without laughing. I was you can di- probably hear it. I was <laughs> dying at the Mexico. Like you're you're talking about getting some better health care, uh, so, some different medicines that you can get from Mexico. That was really that was a sharp touch. And the last one we had, if if we if we had kept character through there, is uh, Coco Crisp is healthy. Uh, that one should have been a dead giveaway because that's not even – that's completely false. The, the other ones, there is no news about Billy Butler, Brandon Morrow, or Clay Buckholz. But not only is, is uh, Crisp not healthy, he's actually going to start the season on the DL. So that, that's, that's unfortunate but probably not terribly unexpected. 
Yep. Let's talk now. Uh, you mentioned a little bit about uh, Eraser, uh, Erasmo Ramirez joining the club. Let's expand a little bit on that because I'm wondering, is this a situation where he's going to have a chance to start because of some of the injuries that have already hit the Rays? Are they going to kind of work him in? Uh, with regard uh, through the bullpen, because he's obviously has some relief work in his history. You know, like I said, it's a live arm, but it, it has work to do. Feels like this guy's been around forever, because frankly, you know, you've been trumpeting, trumpeting him for a while, uh, but he's only 25. So we're not even near the end of the road here with this guy. What do you think is going to happen with him in the short in the short term? Well, in the short term, he's going to be in the rotation uh, just because they have to have somebody in the rotation. I mean, they're, they're right now they're down to Archer opening day, followed by Oda Rizzi, followed by Nate Carnes, followed by Dewan Brazelton and Wilson Alvarez. <laughs> so they, they needed some they needed some help. Uh, so with with Smiley and Cobb both uh, not going to be available to start the season. Uh, you know, there was talk of uh, of Matt Andresi uh, going to be in there, but they sent him down. Uh, it, people overreacting to Mike Montgomery. Oh my God, how could the Rays trade this guy? I mean, there's nothing there. That's yeah. that's a middle reliever ceiling. That's that's what that guy's down to. It just hasn't. He hasn't bounced back. Hasn't developed like they thought, uh, like the Royals thought he would. Like the Rays uh, took a flyer to see if he could. So right now, I mean, Ramirez is out of options, so he's got to stay up. Uh, and for them, he's going to pitch in a rotation now. Once everybody's back, if Nate Carnes isn't cutting the cheese, then Ramirez <laughs> could stick in the rotation. If, uh, well, actually, if Nate Carnes is cutting the cheese, uh, then he would uh, then he would uh, be out of the rotation. But it, that's what Ramirez, he's going to stick with the club, so he's either going to be the long man like the Cesar Ramos, the guy that comes in and works the game uh, when the starter has uh, crapped the bed, <laughs> Or if Carnes is bad, then then Ramirez sticks. And the fastball changeup, Rays, that's what they want, man. They want you to have a fastball and changeup. And Ramirez has got a great changeup. The problem is he's got no command of his he's got no command of his fastball. Hopefully Jim Hickey can do something there, work on his command, uh, and make him usable. I'm, you know, he actually went undrafted in my I think he went undrafted in, in my new home league. I don't think I picked him up or I didn't bring him up or maybe somebody else did. I don't know, um, but. I'll be putting in some fab claims in on this weekend because my other boyfriend, my original boyfriend, is now one of my favorite teams. There you go. Uh, I'm going to be taking a look, too. And and there are just times – first off, obviously, when someone gets traded for, there's a there's a chance that uh, the team that he was on didn't have a spot for him. And the new team – you know, some on these fringer, uh, more fringy guys, these guys who are uh, toward the back end of the roster, it's usually because there's no spot for him in one place and the team that wanted him – is actually going to utilize him. So that's one reason to, to be interested. Like I said, there's there's just some talent here, I think, that can be untapped. So I'm going to be interested in him as well. Uh, someone I'm not going to be interested in, I'm sorry, I, I, I just can't do it because I just don't see any reason to. Uh, but Tim Linscomb was named a fifth starter in, in San Francisco, and whoop-de-freaking-do, I'm sorry. I, I would love to be wrong here. I'd love for him to give one more kick of excellence, but he can't, he's not even going to get to no hit San Diego this year because they're too good. So I don't know what the heck he's going to do. In Here, this is, this is, this is what Tim Lidson careers come down to. When he starts against the Braves of the Phillies, you start you him. Go. When he doesn't, you sit him. There you go. So, so like three starts this year, maybe if the schedule breaks in his favor, I mean, I, I, that, I mean, when you look at, you're going to sit him in Colorado, you know, I don't, I, I don't want you, the, the skills are in decline. If, if you were to move to the bullpen, I raise an eyebrow, I'm like, "Hey, 100%. let's see, is a starter now? Forget it." Hundred percent agree. Uh, that I would, I would still find some some interest there because I think he could still be a super reliever. I know it's something that's been said for years uh, since since he kind of fall, fallen on hard times, but I still think that's a, a chance for a big second act for him. And frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if. He, he's faltered again as a starter. I'm not buying Santiago Casilla for a full year. I right. think there is a small chance that Lincecum could evolve into the, the team's closer even as, as soon as this year. So uh, I'll keep an eye for that. But it's I mean, he, he, here's the thing. We're banking on we're banking on Lincecum to have a Scott Casimir rebound. I mean, we yep. all thought Scott Casimir was dead. Uh, With good yeah, and, I mean, there was and he nothing. came back. Well, yeah, I mean, he he came back. The velocity came back. The crispness on his pitches have come back. None of these things apply to Lincecum. The velocity hasn't. It just continues to decline. If people want to poke fun at, at Justin Verlander's decline in velocity, accelerate it, and that's what you have with Tim Lincecum. That's the thing. And, and he's basically a two-pitch guy right now. And the changeup's still a great pitch, but the fastball gets worse, and that only makes the changeup 
look uh, more hittable. And if he can't get ahead, he doesn't use the changeup that much. So, uh, yeah, again, if there was any inkling of him going to the bullpen and going closing, I would be very interested in having him. I'd, I'd like him for an inning. I don't want him pitching five or six. Nope. Can't have it. Let's talk some outfielders. Yesterday, Eno and I got to about the uh, top 20 or so. So you and I are going to get as, as deep as we can from, from about 21 or so. I don't know. All the way down. We got we got some time here. Let's let's see what we got. Let's uh, continue with the groupings here. I got these guys as uh, some emerging outfielders, some potential number ones. Five pack here. You let me know who you like best out of Christian Yelich, Jason Hayward, Charlie Blackman, Mookie Betts, and Jorge Soler. Man, it's really tough to slow down the bets, uh, the bets steam train. Really, it, it really is. is. And here's the thing, though, and this is why I always say this is why you have to watch and listen to things. You know, when you and I were out in the Arizona Fall League in 2013, you weren't in the conversation with me at the time, but I believe it was just Eno and I were standing there talking to a scout that we all, all three of us know. And he said, Mookie Betts is the best player in this Arizona Fall League, hands down, bar none. I know you guys play fantasy, draft every share of him you can. Nice. That nice. was the only thing he said and to you know us. what? And this was this was a November 2013. And, and and it was clear when we were watching him. He was one of those guys that was standing out. He wasn't the the, the top name out there that, that everyone knew, but all of us that were at the HQ conference would kept talking, you know, you kept hearing the murmurs. Did you see Betts today? Man, he went two for three, two stolen bases, playing some slick D. We knew we knew he wasn't gonna play second uh, immediately upon arrival, but the fact was he was handling the glove at second base. So if something does happen, it's not like Dustin Pedroia is necessarily young. I'm not calling for injury on him, but if it happened, then they could easily move him into the infield, open up another spot in their outfielder for one of their other 38 uh, bench outfielders. So I, I'm starting to really buy in here. I, and, and, and honestly, the one thing I really like is that despite all of this hype, I don't think his fantasy price is really over the top. I think Chris Bryant costs more for having done less. And it, it's not that you can sneak bets. He's not coming cheap. I wouldn't say that. But for when you compare the hype to the cost, I'm pretty surprised that he's not, you know, a top 50 pick the way some of these guys get pumped up. That that is something that I would expect the way Betts is talked about. And yet he's a top 100 pick still, but even sometimes he, 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 he jumps out of the top 100. In fact, on fantasy pros, his uh, ADP is 105. So he's not even in the top 100 across all the uh, six sites that they utilize here. So uh, obviously he's going to be higher at say Yahoo because he still qualifies at second base there. And, and just like that, he's 74th there with a low of 131 over at real time sports. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's fluctuating based on kind of his eligibility, but I, I think there's actually a decent price on him when you consider the skills and the hype. And I've, I've scooped him up in a couple of the, my later drafts here. Now I've got three shares and I'm very excited. He's a full round behind, uh, Jay Bruce, good lord! See, and I, I'm even I'm even in the camp of a Jay Bruce comeback, but I'm taking I'm taking bets easily. Um, I just it, it's not a speed only profile, folks. By the way, for those of you that might be concerned that he's just another burner, uh, or if you're not too familiar with him and you're thinking, oh, Billy Hamilton. Last time I bought one of these speed heavy guys, it, that's not his game. First off, he's not going to be a 50 steal guy. He's more of a 25-30, but there's some legitimate pop there, and there's great plate patience that we've seen, um, and, and we saw it translate when he got up. This wasn't a Marcus Simeon who did it in the minors, and then it couldn't translate. He had 21 walks and 31 strikeouts last year in his 213 plate appearances. I think Betts is the real deal, and I'm I'm really hyped on him. I mean, I'm super excited about his 2015. Mm-hmm. All right, sorry. I think we both got caught taking a drink there at the same time. Um, in that, within that tier, obviously, there's a lot of excitement uh, for for all of these guys, uh, or maybe not all of them. I don't think I don't think Blackman's getting the love. In fact, I'll, I'll I'll talk a little bit about him because I think that he is almost a value at this point because I think everyone is expecting some major drop off that I'm just not sure is going to be there. Listen, I understand that he had a 10.34 OPS in April and and nowhere near that the rest of the season. But even if you just took uh, from May on, he still had 14 homers and a 21 stolen bases just in the final five months. So if you prorated that out, that's that's 19 and 28 with a 723 OPS. So he was still putting up the numbers. And I know a 723 OPS is not special, but uh, it's passable. 
And obviously, I'm sure a lot of that good work was done at home still. I don't care, though. You know, we say that as a negative about Colorado guys. It's only a negative if they're no longer Rockies. So I, I honestly think that Blackman uh, has spent the draft season a bit underrated. And as much as I like Dickerson, I'm not sure they should be as far apart as they are, which is about 50 picks. I, I, I think Blackman, that's another guy that late I kind of changed my tune on a little bit because I was a little bit skeptical on him. I had him push down my board. And then by the time the middle of the draft season hit, I really bumped him up and made sure I got a couple shares of him too. Yeah, I mean, it's still it's still numbers over the whole course of a season. And that really, I know I'm guilty of it as, as everybody else is. You know, where you say this guy, Nelson Cruz, destroyed the baseball in April and May, was barely league average the rest of the season. But overall, it's still 40 home runs. I don't care where they came from. You know, how the guy performs within the in the season is really relevant for trade knowledge. Yep. You know, sell them high, buy them low, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Uh, with that, and I think yeah, Blackman has been. I've seen him go uh, high. I've seen him go low in different things um, with it. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not terribly concerned. I would, of the five that we've listed here, Yelich, Hayward, Blackman, Betts, Soler, I think I have my most reservations about Hayward. Uh, and Yelich, because while they're both good, I think they're both in the same area because they don't get enough loft on the baseball. Yeah, and and and, and Yelich specifically, he was somebody that um, I included in my my uh, hitters wet blanketing series there, where I, I just talked about three guys that you know really really loved that maybe we need to tap the brakes on just a little bit, and and. I just don't see where the power breakout is going to come with a 60% ground ball rate. He can still be a very good fantasy player, but I think people are projecting a lot of growth that I'm just not sure we see the growth. But even a repeat of last year would be perfectly fine for Yelich, but I, I don't think that's what people are paying for. They're paying for something quite a bit more with the 80th pick. Uh, I've seen him go as high as 60 in, in, in a league that I was in. So th there's a lot of love for him. I get it. Uh, long term at least, but short term, I'm just not sure. I think the the way that he can deliver value for those folks is to jump over 100 runs um, and maybe run even more or, or hit for a higher average. I don't know that we're going to see too much more than the nine homers we saw last year, maybe 12, you know, maybe he gets a few extras, but that, right. that, that's not that's not moving the needle all that much for me. I like him as a player, especially, you know, long term. But I'm a little bit tepid on him this year compared to where uh, his cost has been. So I, I definitely uh, here's something I'll, I'll point out with him. So as I'm talking about this, go ahead and pull up his go ahead and pull up his player page um, in the tool you and I use. Okay. So what impresses me about Yelich is that most of his home runs come to dead center field. That's impressive. He doesn't rely on pull power to hit him. Now, if you look at his spray chart and see where his outs go, most of his fly ball outs go the other way. So this, this is a guy who basically is like, if you think back to, I'm going to say if you think back to my youth, Wade Boggs, you know, a guy that went the other way. You look at Yelich, and he does a lot of his hitting. A lot of his deep fly balls are to center and left field. Those balls, I mean, that's not, there's nobody that makes a living on opposite field power. It doesn't happen. Yeah, that's so if so he's going to start becoming a big power hitter, it's going to have to be a change in process where he starts yakking some baseballs and really turning and burning on him. Because right now the ones that he tries to turn and burn go into the ground and they burn worms <laughs> and become outs. But you look at the fly balls, and it's I've never seen a split like this where you look at the guy's fly ball outs and every just about every deep one except for a small handful are all to left and center field. That's crazy. Which is crazy for a left-handed batter. Yeah, that is that is absolutely that that's really interesting. Um, I'm looking at that right now too. So you know. A very interesting group, and I put them there because I think they could all be potential number ones if everything uh, broke right for you. But if I'm if I'm betting on one, no pun intended, but it's an easy pun, I guess. But it would be bets. I just I think that his power and speed combo, the fact that he's going to probably be at the t uh, near the top of that lineup, uh, is going to translate for runs. I think the the average is going to be there, but even if not, the OBP should be to to keep him scoring those runs. I just he, I, he's who I like best of this group right now. All right, then our next tier is a group of guys who are – they're not quite stars, um, and, and, and one of them probably is a star, but uh, he can't be a star this year because uh, the, he's going to miss some time already, and it's going to be hard for him to kind of make up that ground. And it's uh, Jay Bruce coming off of an awful injury-riddled season, and then Hunter Pence, that's the guy who's – you know he was a star last year, but uh, probably only going to play five months. I guess he could still be a star-level talent and, and a number one outfielder, but I'm just – 
preaching caution with him, of course. And then Cole Calhoun and J.D. Martinez coming off of breakout seasons that, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what they can do for a repeat. So who do you like best out of this little uh, quartet? You know, honestly, it narrowed, I narrowed it down to two out of Martinez and Calhoun. And, and I, I think Martinez is, the, is the, clearly the best one. A couple of things I like about him, you know, he's got power to all fields. He doesn't, getting back to the Yelich point, he doesn't have to hit the one spot. And Calhoun does. You look at Calhoun's home runs, they're all to right field. They're pull home runs. He doesn't hit home runs anywhere else. Martinez can take you out the right field, uh, center, left, doesn't matter. He's got the power. He's also got more uh, risk because he does swing and miss quite a bit. There is a lot of swing and miss in his game compared to Calhoun. Uh, and we saw last year in the second half how a lot of people stopped throwing him fastballs and made, and threw him a lot of junk. I mean, he saw 58% non-fastballs last year in the second half of the season and still hit 292, 342 and slug 478. So he was able to, you know, it didn't eat his lunch alive where, it, where some of that, that kind of approach would, would kill other guys. But it worked for him. So once the league said, okay, forget it, forget throwing the fastballs, let's let's try to do some more, especially sliders because of the way he swings, he was still able to put up really good production. And, and that's, to me, that's the difference. There's more risk in him, but he's got power to all fields. And uh, in this day and age, power's at a premium. I'm going to take him. Calhoun's an interesting guy to me because, uh, you know, I, he was somebody that I was kind of like, what's what's with all the hype here? I'm not, I'm not sure I'm seeing it because it's not like he runs – uh, the power was fine, but not special. But honestly, what it is is it's it's being part of that lineup and atop that lineup, and and the runs scored. The fact that he scored 90 runs last year is really impressive when you consider he played 127 games. So if he had gotten a full season, we're talking about 115 or so. Now. You can't just do that uh, and say, listen, full season this, full season that, because very few guys play full season, so uh, probably not 115. But the fact is that if he plays like he did last year, very he could very easily get 100 runs scored. Uh, obviously, when you're, when, you, when you're getting on base with Trout and Pujols coming up, that's got to feel good. But that lineup is a little bit weakened this year. Obviously, Josh Hamilton, uh, first off, wasn't great last year and won't be there. So that's not necessarily the big loss. But Howie Kendrick won't be there. And, you know, he's a really good player. I I don't know how crazy I am about Matt Joyce, David Freeze there. But the fact is he's still he's still batting directly ahead of Trout and Pujols. I still think Calhoun's runs are going to be there. That's where he derives a lot of his value. I think he can actually improve on that 325 uh, on base percentage. I think he's a little bit better than that. He, he needs to cut out a little bit of the swing and miss, maybe stop going for so much power um, and, and get on base a little bit more frequently, and then he's an easy 100-run scorer, and that that's a nice way to drive to drive a lot of value. So I like Calhoun, but I, I love your points on Martinez. I think he's for real. I've been buying him left and right this year. Well, two other things I'll point out, uh, one completely unrelated, but with, with the Calhoun, you know, the numbers just aren't the same versus left-handed pitching. And I've pointed out how there, there's more lefties in the AL West than any other division in baseball. So that's just something to keep in mind with him as far as his batting average and, and holding down his power. Uh, unrelated, getting back to the runs, uh, you know, how many runs he scored. I was thinking about this last night, and I'm going to switch this over to catcher really quick. But Russell Martin, we know he's going to hit second in the lineup in the Blue Jays with Reyes in front of him and all those the, the, the three amigos behind him with all that pop. How many runs do you think would you project uh, Russell Martin to score? Um, ninety. I mean, he's, all right, he's that would be second. that would be that would be double his run total from last year. Holy hell! Yeah, he scored forty-five last year for the Pirates. So, and when I looked at this, I tweeted something out last night. Way too high. We haven't had we haven't had a, a catcher score ninety runs since Joe Mauer. Buster Posey's never done it. It's been Joe Mauer. He did it in two thousand eight and two thousand nine. That's been it. We haven't had it since. But you look at it, and I, I made this, I did a, a not to copy Tristan's, but I did a bold prediction saying the Roto-Wire, and I said Russell Martin's going to score 90 runs this year. Yes, I know it's double his runs scored, but you look at that lineup, you look at how much he can play, and they can also DH him now, yep. whereas in America, with the Pirates, he couldn't, so he can get more time. I just, I, when I look at that lineup, with Reyes on base in front of him and that Thunder all behind him, I don't know how he doesn't score at least 75 runs. Yeah, absolutely. He's got to take a major jump. It might not be the double, but th th it's, this has got to be a seven-year high. 
uh, for him because the, that, that would be higher than 63 because uh, earlier in his career, 2007-2008, he dropped 87 in the, both of those seasons. So uh, I think, obviously, uh, the number I said, I think he can top that. But even if he doesn't, I think we're going to see a seven-year high, so at least north of 63 here uh, for Martin. He's another guy. I've been getting a lot. I, I, I just... I'm not. I don't even need the 402 on base to repeat. I, because I, I, I don't think it will. But I don't. I don't think we need it to to see this uh, big run scored situation. Yeah, if you're getting 80 plus runs from your catcher, you don't need 402, man. You'll be happy with 352. Absolutely. Because he'll he'll have more runs. He'll have. Uh, if you look in an AL only league, he'll have like 25 more runs scored than anybody else. Filthy. Let's talk about some mashers here, and I, I included a guy who's a DH only, but we didn't have a DH-specific podcast. So uh, Chris Carter gets in here with Mark Trumbo, Marcelo Zuna, and Brandon Moss. These guys are all four pure power guys. Uh, if, if you need some pop, this is where you can go. Who do you like here in this this guy, uh, this group of four? Excuse me. Man, you know, I, I, there's no way I could even choose between Chris Carter and Brandon Moss. I love both. Uh, I, I pick. I think there's 75 home runs there between the two of them. Nice. Um, and honestly, I mean, I, one of them's going to hit 40 this year. I love Moss. I think it's going to be Carter, but Carter's going to be a beast. Yeah. I, I, you know, as long as he's there in that park. Now, if Houston does trade him for whatever reason, that would suck. But I think there's 75 home runs there between the two of them. And uh, I'm I I don't like Trumbo uh, just because that's a guy who belongs in the American League, and he's being I don't like him in Arizona at all. And Ozuna, I like a lot, but. I can bank on 30-plus home runs from the other two. And I, I want if I want Masters, that's what I want. Yeah, Moss is, is my guy there. I absolutely love him. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I like I like Carter as well. But if, if I'm picking just one, it's got to be Moss. I think uh, he's shown in, in spring training, at least so far, by playing uh, with some regularity that the, that the hip isn't a major issue for him. It's not like he's played all spring training. I think he's only got uh, maybe 15 games played. You know, So I, I don't know how many total the Indians have played. But he's out there playing. He's he's still hitting. I think uh, a large percentage of his hits are extra base hits. So the power's still there. This guy is just a power beast. And he's actually going to a park that's really going to accelerate him. Uh, I know you, you wouldn't necessarily think of Cleveland as a, a, you know, a hitter-friendly park, but it's friendly to power lefties. And so obviously he's getting out of Oakland, which hurts you know pretty much all aspects of hitting. And it, it didn't hurt him, by the way, because that's how transcendent his power is. So now he's going to a place that could accelerate it. Yeah, I think north of 30, he's going to set a career high in home runs this year i'm very excited about brandon moss let's talk about i have him in three leagues already <laughs> uh yeah i i've got it. i'm matching at least that at least matching that because i got him everywhere too i'm, I'm just because he's first base outfield too so sometimes if i wait on first base um i can get him as my first baseman very late or even a corner and then of course outfield there's just options and obviously First base, pretty deep. Corner first base, really deep. But still, it's because of guys like him that make it deep because there isn't a lot of love out there for him. And thankfully, you and I aren't in a ton of leagues together except where we actually co-manage because uh, we would just be racing to get Moss, and it would be annoying. We have him there too, don't we? Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> uh, let's talk about some guys who do a bit of everything. Uh, we got two different groups here. We'll, we'll break off the first one. Uh, Alex Gordon, Melky Cabrera, Brett Gardner. Uh, Gregory Polanco and Rusny Castillo, some of our favorites uh, in here. So it might be a tough yeah. pick for you, but go ahead. Yeah, we all the Melky love for us doesn't need, really need to be discussed. Yes. I mean, for me, it's Brett Gardner. I mean, for Brett Gardner, I think he out earns Jacoby Ellsbury this year. Ellsbury yes. is being drafted in the top 25. Gardner's going 50, 60 picks later. I'd much rather have Gardner. Wow. And I, I, honestly, I, I'm, I'm with you. Obviously, we took him. Uh, we took him in 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 labor. Gardner's somebody I think that doesn't get the love that he deserves. I'm not sure that he's going to repeat the power, but I don't think he needs to. First off, I think that that offense is going to be a little bit better this year, so it's going to jump his runs back up again, um, or not not back up all the way to 97. But uh, yeah, you know maybe he could. I, but I think it goes back up over 90. He was at 87 last year. So even if the power comes down a little bit, I think the stolen bases could be better. The average, you know, 256 was one of the uh, full. The, it was a full season low for him. It was the lowest we've ever seen out of him. So you know maybe the 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 power comes back down to say I don't know 12. 11, 12 homers, but the average jumps back up to 276, and then all of a sudden uh, that OBP is probably coming back up, and that's how the runs get back up. So I like Gardner too. Um, you know, not having a great spring, I don't care. I've heard that used against him as a as a reason not to pick him. 
couldn't possibly care less. So uh, that that just does not bother me with Gardner. For me, I want to talk a little bit about Castillo because obviously Betts is getting all the hype, and I get it, especially because Castillo um, doesn't have a guaranteed role yet. That outfield is so crowded that you know he hasn't been inked into the lineup, and and he missed a little bit of time too. But since he has come out and played, he's he's looked good. He's hit for some power. I just think that uh, his price isn't overinflated, which, again, surprises me because you, you feel like Red Sox uh, are, are, are kind of the the, the modern-day version of the Yankees a few years ago where there was a, uh, there's a tax on all of them, you know, I feel. And yet Castillo, I feel, has been going at a perfectly reasonable price, 151st off the board, uh, as low as 180th up at uh, Yahoo. So uh, obviously they use a three outfielder scheme, so that that changes things a little bit there, and that's why he, he's so low. But you know the the prices I've seen in auctions have been fair, and I'm pretty heavily invested in him. I think maybe three or four leagues because I thought the the price was pretty nice, and I think it's going to be a nice power speed combo. Nothing special uh, over the top, you know. Ni- neither his power nor his speed is going to be game changing, but when you add it all together, it's going to be a really solid profile. I like Rusny Castillo. There's only so much money you could spend in Boston. That's the and everybody's focusing on the traditional names and then bets and then worried about the you know where Victorino fits in the puzzle and oh they're going to have to play him because they're paying him. Boston doesn't have to play a guy to, uh, if they're paying him. I mean they've yeah. got uh, they're they've got money. It's not going to hurt them that Victorino was a fourth outfielder. Um, or it still wouldn't surprise me if he's traded sometime this week. Exactly uh, and, along those lines. So and listen, people. Um, you know, it's a long season. I think we get a little bit too focused on who's in the opening day lineup without uh, understanding the fact that we're talking about a six-month season here. And yes, playing time is the biggest currency. So if somebody's inked in to to start the season, I, I understand why you want them. But don't be so uh, you know militant about it that I'm only going to draft starters because then you're going to lose out on talented players. And I think Castillo fits that bill perfectly. And the fact that Victorino has gotten the love and, and, and they've said that, oh, he's going to be the starter, that's dri- driven the price down. And, hey, more profit for me. So thank you all. Appreciate that. Let's talk about another group, similar type guys. Bit of everything. Um, really interesting group. Alex Rios, A.J. Pollock, Shinsu Chu, Jason Worth, and Jock Peterson. So it's a big range here from veterans to youth, injured to starting, uh, you know, starting for their first time to, uh, again, veterans. So, you know, we got a, we got a wide range of, of talent here. Who do you like out of that uh, that group? Man, I'd go with the rookie. And, and then after the rookie, i go with Pollock. I mean, Rios, I, I know some people are talking about it. I don't see the bounce back. Chu still is not going to hit lefties. And, again, going back to the AL West, that's a problem. And, and Worth's already hurt. And I'll take the chance on the rookie. If you maybe pick one of those five for a final outfield spot, I'm going to take Peterson. Nice. I would take Pollock personally, but I I, I understand uh, the the love for Peterson. It looks like he's going to have a legitimate chance there, a nice long leash to, to, to do some damage. He was amazing last year. And listen, it's PCL, sure, but at some point you you, you can't just write off the numbers to, to being in the league because who the heck else was running through the PCL and putting up 33 homers and 30 stolen bases with a 303 average and 106 runs scored in just 121 games. You know, if it were that easy, if that league were that easy, wouldn't we see it more often? So, yeah, they're a bit inflated by the environment. I, I get that. We do have to maybe take the numbers down a little bit. But you can't just dismiss it and say PCL and move on. Jock Peterson was amazing last year and having a massive spring. And again, we don't we don't go crazy over spring numbers. I repeat it all the time. But at certain times, they do matter. And when a guy is trying to establish himself as a brand new starter, I think that's pretty impressive to watch him go out there and pop six bombs, uh, run a little bit, have a big average, have a big on base. Uh, I like what I've seen out of Peterson. I'm pretty excited. The only bummer for me is that I don't have him anywhere, and I'm, I'm running out of drafts. I, I, I don't think I have any more opportunities where I'll be able to get him, so I'll, right. I'll have to uh, leverage him in the daily game to, to get my Jock Peterson fill. Uh, I mentioned for me it would be it'd be Pollock. He was in the midst of a breakout last year. It got stifled by injury, unfortunately. Uh, I'm not sure he's going to be a, a, a big, huge power guy, but I don't think he needs to be because when you got that much speed and you can hit for that kind of average, I mean, just look what he did last year. Seven home runs, 14 stolen bases with a 302 average in just 75 games. Be careful. You can't just extrapolate that out and say, well, that's who he is. But 
if you, if you add a good percentage to that uh, over the course of a full season, over the course of 145 or so games, I think there's a lot to like with Pollock here. I know that lineup, Arizona is not great, but the park is. He's still going to be batting in the uh, upper part of that lineup where Mr. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt resides. And I think the top end of their lineup isn't too bad. So I think the runs scored are going to be there for Pollock as well. I'm, I'm really excited about him this year. Oh, and he's uh, age 27. So I'll, Automatically, got to add five homers and twenty steals, right? Oh, hell yes. Yeah, automatically for age twenty-seven because that's that's the year that you automatically get stats. I love it. I'm kidding, folks. You have to know I'm kidding. Badly, <laughs> very much kidding. Okay, next group: Speed Demons. I think the name says it all. Ben Revere, Leonis Martin, Danny Santana. I know Danny Santana has shortstop eligibility too, but uh, shortstop actually has a little bit of depth, so I could see Santana being placed in some outfields here. So. Speed Demons, I don't love the one-trick ponies, but I actually really love Leonis Martin here because I think there's still some power upside. But who do you like out of that trio? Yeah, I'm with you on Martin as well uh, of the three. I think we've all made our point clear with, with Revere. Uh, he can get on first. He could steal second. I just don't know who in the hell is going to drive him in. Right. Uh, you know, Santana is what he is. But I think Martin, if you're looking for upside, he's got it. Now, your your point that you've been mentioning now throughout this show is – plays here because he is a lefty lefties have mashed him uh, or, or have murdered him so the fact that being in the al west is tough on lefties that needs to be taken into consideration but frankly even if he just repeats what he's done the last two years that's still a solid 20 something dollar player and he just he's not overhyped thankfully i i I've really enjoyed the price that uh martin's been available for this year and i've, I've snapped him up in several spots uh, let's talk about guys who are potentially on the rise here. You know, I think we could see uh, a breakout or two out of this grouping. Um, they're being treated as such. They're being drafted as such. Some guys not so much. Uh, the first guy, Will Myers, There's, it's real divisive. Screw that guy. It's, yeah, it's real divisive. Some people still love him. Others hate him. Uh, Avisail Garcia, I think same kind of thing. Avisail Garcia has his believers, but then there's others who are just saying, I, I don't get it. I'm actually in the camp of I, I do get it. I'm very excited about him. But uh, I can understand why some are, are a little bit skeptical, but I think Garcia is going to be a very interesting player this year. And then Lorenzo Cain and Avisail Garcia's teammate, Adam Eaton. Who do you like here? I know it's not Myers, so who do you like out of the last? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, it's I'm an, I'm an Adam Eaton guy. Uh, I, I like that. I, he, I'll put this out there because I don't know if it's been published yet. I have the Chicago White Sox going to the World Series. Hot. Yes. This is my Milwaukee Brewer nice. pick of last year. That failed me on the last day of the season. Man, Damn it. Me, you, and who was it? Cliff Corcoran? Yes. The three guys that was with, the three. With, with published Milwaukee picks, and we were we thought we were so hot, talking mad trash. And oh, uh, whoops. So disappointing. Whoops. <laughs> but here's what I mean. What I like what I like about Adam Eaton, he's gonna have Melky behind him, then he's gonna have Abreu, then he's gonna have LaRoche. Uh, so he gets on base a lot. He's got Melky, a guy that sprays the ball around. So if you're gonna go to double play depth or anything, you know, there's a there's a hit and run opportunity, there's a lot of opportunity there in that lineup for him to score a ton of runs as long as he stays healthy. I mean, I made this point about uh, Span, so I'm hoping that as I as I'm defending Eaton, he too doesn't go out there and get hurt because <laughs> I thought Span was in the shape to do this. But I, I've heard people say Cole Calhoun's going to lead the American League in runs. Screw that! It's going to be Eat. it's going to be Adam Eaton. Nice. I, re- I, I like that a lot, especially as somebody who's pretty heavily invested in Eaton as well. Um, and I, I like the White Sox. You know, the the with you being on the White Sox train there, I already picked the Indians to win that division. As a Tigers fan, I'm really getting nervous. And frankly, I was getting nervous all the way back in October before any any of the moves really started. I thought the AL Central was the division on the rise, the one to be looking out for. And that was even with the fact that I didn't think that the Royals had staying power. So even bumping down the team that had just made the World Series, I still thought my Tigers were in trouble because the Indians and White Sox were had good cores. Uh, they went out, did did some solid moves in the offseason, and then Minnesota continues to get inc- incrementally better. So they're not going to be the walkover that the Tigers can can just get a bunch of wins from. So you know, as a Tigers fan, I am really getting nervous about this dang old division here. Uh, but hopefully, they can still at least make a wild card for me in this group. Uh, I do love Eaton, and I do love Garcia. I think I made it known about both uh, anyway. So let's talk a little bit about Kane. I would love, love to see a huge breakout from him, but I'm just not sure it's there. 
looks the looks the part 100%. Right out of central casting for just a, yep. a stud center fielder. You know, ha, when when it's on, the power can look good, um, but it, it's it, it's fleeting. The speed is amazing. The one thing I do really worry about too is the playing time. We've never seen him uh, play more than 133 games. That was last year, career high, 502 plate appearances. But the but the balls out. Uh, you know, do everything you can defensively. That's where you get a little bit worried about these kinds of guys because they can hurt themselves and obviously it can affect them at the dish. That's one concern for Eaton too, because he is, he's, you know, he's a gamer. He's got the grit. Uh, that's why I'm so surprised Arizona traded him for, for as hard up as they are for, for grit. How the heck did he get traded out of there? That, that made no sense to me, but, uh, that worries me a little bit about Kane. So good defensively can get to so many things, a lot of sliding, diving catches. I hope it doesn't affect him. Um, injury wise, I do mm-hmm. see more stolen bases. Uh, I do. I do think that if he does play, we can get a you know 70 run season sort of thing. I just don't know that the power is going to develop the way I would like it. Uh, so I think he's probably going to be more of an eight homer guy. But listen, eight homers and 35 stolen bases. We're talking about Leonis Martin putting up solid 20 something dollar seasons. That's what Kane can do. And he, was, I think he was like right. a 25 dollar player last year. I think he could do it again, even if the average comes down, because I think the stolen bases could go up. So I, mm-hmm. I, I like him. I just uh, I, I don't know that it's going to be the huge breakout that people are looking for. Let's, Agreed. Let's talk about some stable veterans here uh, that you can get some decent value out of because the fantasy community as a whole hates veterans. They're very ageist. Um, best player in the world, Curtis Granderson, Michael Kadire, Steve Pierce, Carl Crawford, and Desmond Jennings. How sad is it that we have to lump Desmond Jennings into this group? I know. I but know. he's earned it. This is where – this is it. I mean – Here's the thing. I don't really want you. Desmond Jennings, I see him falling everywhere. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. No, but for good reason. He's an afterthought. Well, he should be because he doesn't hit righties. He doesn't handle. He's turning into B.J. Upton is what he's turning into. That's not. I mean, he hits his a, lefties. I think that's a hate crime to call. Dude, to it, say, oh, that, say that about somebody. If you, if, I don't know if he's going to change his first name to Melvin Jennings uh, <laughs> when he starts further to climb. But seriously, I mean, this is a guy for all the hype, for all the everything. The whole plate discipline hasn't hasn't come up. You know, down the minors, he had you know 14, 15 percent walk rates year in and year out. That hasn't really carried over. He doesn't handle right-handed pitching that well, and he leads off almost by default on the team because he still can work counts. Mm-hmm. It just I don't see I don't see another level for him. And the, the turf's already starting. You know, last year the knee thing kind of ended his season. They really weren't sure exactly what that was. Uh, playing on that turf day in and day out, that doesn't help. They're moving him to left field this year, so that's going to help. And Kevin Kiermaier, who we'll talk about in a little bit, is going to be playing center this year most days and with that. So that may help Jennings uh, somewhat. But Grand- for me, Granderson, if I'm down, I'm down, down here, yes. I'm drafting for a specific skill. Yeah. Granderson's going to bring me power and everything else. I don't know because Jennings, if the knee's still pro- bothering him, he's not going to run. Crawford, you know, is what he is. There's no, I don't think there's any upside, even though he was amazing uh, towards the end of last year. Uh, Pierce, I don't see the repeat. And because uh, you saw how the team started to attack him last year, just keep working him down in the zone, okay. down in the way, and he can't do it. 100%. And then uh, Kadire, I'm, I'm worried about him leaving all that spacious outfield in Colorado and some of those balls that were falling in for hits now becoming out. Yeah, I, I think he'll be solid but unspectacular, Kadire. Uh, you know, I, because that that ballpark move, you have to take it into account. He he's he's the definition of a professional hitter, and he's going to get his production. He's going to be good. He's going to go on some good stretches. But overall, moving from that park to uh, City Field, that that's that's just going to hurt. There's just no White two Tory ways Hunter. around it. What's that? White Tory Hunter. Exactly. So you know that it, it's fine. But Granderson's my pick here too, and it's not just because uh, he's the best player in the history of the, uh, of the world. And for those of you new to the podcast, um. I loved Curtis Granderson when he was a Tiger. I still love him. My dog is named after him, and uh, that influences me a little bit. But I think there's reason to be excited about him this year because, you know, he had that real tough start with the with the Mets. I mean, he was hitting sub 200 by mid uh, into mid May, and he was getting booed. And and you know, the the coolest dude in the world uh, in terms of like personality off the field. And you would think that he could be above the booing, but you know what? It's performance-based. It wasn't based on who he was as a person, and frankly, he kind of deserved it because he's making that cash and playing like garbage. But got his head on straight a little bit, got back on track, and still ended up with a 20-homer season. If he doesn't piss away a month and a half, the fences are also moved in. I think we could see him jump back up above 30. Now, uh, he had those two big 40-homer seasons with the Yankees 
We're not going to see that. And he didn't even necessarily uh, exploit just the porch there. He had a lot of good uh, road numbers too. So it wasn't just that park. But I just think that mm -hmm. you know we're, we're three years removed from that too. So that's why we're, I'm not going to go that high with him. But he had a 30-homer season with Detroit. He's had three such seasons of 30-plus homers. I think he gets back there. Uh, the average jumps up a little bit. Not great. 227 last year. I think we could see like a 240. But 240 and 30 homers shouldn't be available as late as it is. But Granderson's been a bit forgotten. So I'm very excited and about Going him. back to the other point, not that many left-handed starting pitchers in the National League East. And one of them's on the verge. You know, one of them could be traded any day. Exactly. If, if Hamels gets moved out, it just opens it up even more for him. So I uh, love the stuff you've been doing this offseason with looking at handedness for guys that, that, that could have that trouble. I think uh, – Another one, though, one of the ones that I I looked at right away when he was traded was Adam Lind, and there were there aren't a ton of lefties in the NL Central that he needs to be nope. too worried about. So I think he's going to feast over there when he is playing. Hopefully he can stay upright. So love the work that you've been doing with that. In addition to your new pitch stuff, which I've talked about on so many podcasts this year. So fifty-two. I can't wait. To, I can't wait to see some of the results. I, uh, some Eno said we could put it. Eno said we could put a permalink up on the Rotographs front page uh, for next season. Yes, that'll be great. That'll be great because yeah. it, 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 it's it's a great, mar uh, you know, not market to, to to tap into, but you know what I mean. Like it, it's something that still isn't getting as much coverage as it deserves. And you're out there, you and Jeff out there doing yeoman's work I, I see y'all trading articles or uh on, on on twitter all the time hey did you see this one did you catch this one i love it i absolutely love it let's talk about some crustier vets um maybe not as appealing as, as some of the guys that we just mentioned and even their appeal wasn't super high so you can imagine this is when you're getting late in the draft uh, and you're like well what do i do here i guess i'll just take him and uh it's tory hunter Coco Crisp, Rajay Davis, Nick Marcakis, and Ichiro. Ichiro's a fourth outfielder right now, and that outfield's amazing. So he might not even belong in this group. I just wanted a fifth guy, and I love Ichiro. So I kind of I squeezed him in here. I think the other four guys are going to deliver a lot more value, barring injury in Miami. So um, who do you like out of this, this group here? It, to me, it's, it's Rajay Davis Damn. by a mile. <laughs> Sorry. And it's I mean, not just because I'm a here, Tigers fan. It's because he obviously has the most fantasy value by it. I will give you – here, I'll give you an ageism story. Tor, uh, at my, my home league this past weekend, the commissioner threw out Torrey Hunter at 5 bucks. He won him at $5. Wow. And this was middle of the draft when there were plenty of people. I, I could not – I was like, I don't even want to say six. And I need, I had three outfield spots. And I was like, even at that price, I still don't want the guy. Because yeah. I, all I see is it going down from here. I don't see it getting any better. And this is his last year, obviously. But no, I was like, I don't want him. I, I, I mean, and nobody else. The other nine guys in the room all just whistled past the graveyard. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we talked about Crisp with his health. You know, Derek Van Riper made an amazing point about Coco Crisp. Uh, I don't know if it was on his SiriusXM show or the podcast. It all kind of blends together when you, when you listen to a guy across multiple platforms. But he said, you know, when you look at these dollar values for, for Crisp and we see that it was 20, you know, mid 20s for three years from 11 to 13. And then last year it was 15 bucks. However, in any of those four seasons, who really got the full value there? Because this is a guy that you never get all the stats because he's so in and out. And especially if you're in a weekly league, you have no right. idea when he's going to play and not. So there's a good chance that you missed some of that. So the, the, the whole bottom line dollar values are very misleading with a guy like Crisp. And as much as I've loved him and I find him to be a value because nobody wants him for, for obvious reasons because he's always hurt, I think that we really have to – push down those numbers that we see and say, you know, he earned 20 bucks last year. I can get him for five this year. Well, he's still a value. Sure. But even for your $5 investment, you might only get $13 of the value because it's just, he, you never know when he's going to be in. And obviously now 35, it's just going to get harder and harder to really trust him. So as, as much as I've liked Crisp in the past, I'm nervous. And I'm with you by the way on Rajay. I think he's the easiest, best value here because even if he doesn't play, even if he's the fourth outfielder, Ghost holds the job all year with Martinez and Cespedes, and Rajay just plays as a, a platoon guy against lefties and gets into you know a handful of games against righties, comes in late in the games as a pinch runner, he's still going to steal at least 25 bases, if not more. All right, so the next group is uh, it includes the aforementioned Anthony Ghost, and it's just a group of young center fielders. Uh, Anthony Ghost, Juan Ligaris, 
I, I guess Dexter Fowler isn't necessarily young, but uh, this was the, the easiest way to get him in, in, into the grouping here. He's easily the elder statesman of this group. Michael Taylor for the Nats, and then the aforementioned Kevin Kiermeyer. He played more in right field last year, but he's going to be the center fielder this year. So this group of young center fielders uh, and, and one more veteran guy going to a new club that could be really exciting for Fowler. Uh, who do you like here? This is, this is an intriguing group to me because they're going to stay on the field because of their defense, um, well, Taylor, maybe not when, when guys get healthy, but the other four going to stay on the field because of their defense. Can they put up the production to be worthwhile? Right. In a keeper league, I want Michael Taylor all day long, mm -hmm. but we're talking about reset league. So Michael Taylor's the last guy on this list. Uh, for me, I, if we go across the list, I mean, I like Kiermaier a lot and not just because I see him play every day. I just, I, I like him a lot because of the way the game, you know, he can slash and dash. He could drop the bunts, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, Ghost is not a hitter. I don't. I've seen hey. that guy too much. He doesn't hit. Hey. Sorry. <laughs> nah, that's uh, that's his homer. Sorry, but I mean, it's really if you look at Ghost, Lagaris, and Kiermaier, technically it's really tough to separate the three of them. I, I really don't feel terribly strongly about any one of these guys in a reset league. Uh, but if maybe pick one, I guess I'd take Kiermaier. Listen, I don't think he's a great hitter, and it's not just pure homerism. I thought this one is with Toronto. I think he's a better hitter than what we've seen with Anthony Coase. Uh, you're talking about a guy who's gotten playing time at ages 21, 23. It hasn't gone well, but still very young. I just think there's at least uh, some strong side platoon capability here. Uh, I don't care that he went out and had a huge spring. That's, that's not influencing this. I just feel that there is a little bit of punch in the bat. The speed is there. At least one thing, though, the defense will be there. So he's, he is going to get to play a lot because of that defense, and that should at least help him be a stolen base asset. So even if he doesn't hit a ton, I think he can be better than the sub-700 OPSs that we've seen in all three of his seasons, even if he's like a 7-10 or something like that uh, with some speed. I, I still have some love for Ghost, and I, 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 I can't stress enough, it's not just because he's a Tiger. I swear, although I understand if people think that that's the only reason why. Uh, let's move on to another group, our final group, and uh, they're even younger than the last group. It's, it's a group of rooks. Uh, these three rookies, very interesting to me. Steven Souza, Dalton Pompey, and then Arismendi Alcantara. Now, Alcantara obviously qualifies at, at, at second, and I can't even remember. We probably did talk about him on the second base uh, podcast. However— Probably talked about him at multiple positions. Yeah, I, and I, I love the guy, too. So any anytime I can get a chance to talk about him a little bit more, I'm going to take that opportunity. But even if we did speak about him in the second base, and I don't know if that was me and you or me and Eno, but— Things have changed for him. His outlook has improved because Javier Baez was sent down, and that's just going to open more playing time for him because, frankly, sorry, Tommy Lestella, I'm not buying you as as some some major roadblock to Alcantara. Uh, same goes for you, Mr. Chris Coughlin. And I know they'll both are lefties, so they're going to have the platoon advantage. Uh, or no, he's a switch hitter, so no, that, they don't even have that. The, the fact is, with Alcantara, any injury that isn't to Miguel Montero uh, helps him. In, yes. in some form or fashion, even if Rizzo were to go down. So, sorry, Cubs fans. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying, worst case scenario, best player goes down. Mike Holt over to first. Tommy Lastella to third. Alcantara to second. You know, the, the, no, no matter what injury happens, the way you finagle it, a lot of them are simple. If, if Lastella goes down, Alcantara goes right in. But no matter, even if it's Castro, there's a chain reaction that Alcantara is the, is the prime beneficiary because he's easily their best bench bat and probably should be starting ahead of La Stella. So he's my favorite guy in that, in that group, just because um, he's so cheap compared to the other two. And I think he can do a lot. And then you throw in the flexibility position wise that helps. And I know that since Joe Madden got there, they've been calling him the next Zobrist. That's fine. I get it. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's a little bit uh, cheap and easy to say, but it's also it also has some truth rooted in it. So I love Alcantara. I actually like all three guys. I've got at least one share of all three, but Alcantara is my favorite because of that price. For, yeah. I mean, if we're talking about price, yes. Uh, playing time, I think it's Seuss's because he's got the guaranteed playing time. And I think that's the differentiator. We've got to we've got to try to find the at bats for Alcantara. And it's not tough to imagine, but with Sousa, he's going to be set it and forget it. He's not going to get platooned. He's not going to get buried ninth in the lineup. You know, kid, it's yours. You're playing every day. Go for it. Problem is, that's what he's being paid at right now. You go into auctions. I think he went 18 in Tout Wars. Well, was it to me? 
And uh, I pay, I did pay him for him in the local league this weekend because I did have some some statistical needs, and I, I was I was uh, cornered out of the corner market because I kept three, and then I drafted Chris Carter at utility, so I had to scratch that market off and then buy as much stats as I could in the outfield. Well, I, and there was Sousa, and I ended up paying for him. I tell you what, neither Steamer nor Pakoda did us any favors, uh, particularly yeah, your, that your, yourself, because uh, as a Rays guy, this is somebody you probably would have uh, investigated deeply after the trade and maybe seen as somebody to, to, to buy in on maybe cheaply if the, if the projections hadn't been so hot. But I don't think we've seen projections like this for a rookie in quite some time. I know he's a little bit older, too, so that's adding to it. He's a little bit more polished. But both of those projection systems, Steamer and Pakoda, absolutely loved him. Pakoda especially. They were super high on him. But even Steamer, 18 and 18 homers and stolen bases. That's massive. Even if he only hits the 246 that they're giving him, we would take that all day. And that's only in 118 games. So yep. he is going to probably play all year. So that that 18, 18 all of a sudden becomes 24, 24. And holy hell, that's amazing. So the the love has been there all season for him, all draft season because of these projections is a bit of a bummer. Yet I was still, we were still able to invest uh, in our team together, and you, you got him in another league. So we still got a couple shares, even 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 though the price was higher than we would have expected, especially right after that trade. Um, but yeah, obviously there was nowhere to play him in Washington, uh, so they had to make a move there. But we haven't really dove in on Pompey. What do you think about him? Is this going to be a guy? He's not going to bat at the top of the lineup because the lineup that they have. But I don't think that that's going to kill his value because, first off, he's not in the National League. So even if he's batting seventh or eighth, it's not like, uh, you know, seven, eight, nine. There's no pitcher there. He, he can still run even if he bats seven, eight, or nine. There's a little bit of pop with him, too. I'm, I'm pretty intrigued by him. I got to see him at Fall League, uh, you know. I like this guy, but I just don't know if he's going to be a stud right out of the gate because I didn't know a lot about him coming up. I know he had the big, uh, what was it, four-level season, high A, double A, triple A majors, and then Arizona Fall League. So a lot of, a lot of fast movement for him here. Is he going to be somebody who has a lot of struggles, or, or can he be a pretty big asset this year? I am on the former side of that. I mean, this, this is a case where when it comes down to if I had my shot at – taking Pompey or waiting for Rajay Davis, I would wait for Rajay Davis. Okay. Because this is a, this is a speed. You're buying this guy for speed. Yeah, definitely. And let's say you know, look at projections. Steamer has him for 20. Fans have him for 22. Zips has him for 28. Depth chart, you know, the 23. So let's say 25 steals. Rajay Davis is going to fall into 25 steals. We know that's a given. Mm-hmm. He's going to do that. He does it year in and year out. That's not a problem. Can can Pompey do it? I mean, you look at you look at the 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 strikeout rate in the minors, not it, it's you know about league average. The walk rate, you know, it, it's been pretty good uh, there for the most part. But that's where I kind of look at when I look at a guy with a five percent walk rate. Uh, I know he played multiple levels, and I I've been on record. I don't like guys that run through multiple levels in the same season. I mean, this guy was playing rookie ball in 2012, and he was in the majors last year. Yeah, and and. And um, got uh, for, for that four-level season that he had last year, the bulk of it was at high A. He only got quick looks at, at, at double A. He happened to hit the ground running at double A in 127 plate appearances, gets up to triple A, only gets 56 plate appearances, stays hot with an 846 uh, OPS, so gets the call to the majors here. I'm thinking that he could be more in that type of uh, Billy Hamilton, Marcus Simeon, who's who had a nice walk rate in the minors, but it might not be indicative so much of him more as it is the uh, opposition just being a little bit uh, reluctant to give him anything to hit uh, because of how hot he was. I'm not sure that's necessarily some a skill that's instantly going to translate for him. I don't know. I'm a, yeah. We a honestly, nervous. we don't know what this guy, we don't know who this guy is because, you know, you, you mentioned the big numbers in high A. So that's great. But then he's in double A for 127 plate appearances, which is probably not even a second exposure around the league. He's in triple A for 56, which is you know, three series, yeah. nothing. And then he's and then he's in the minor, in the majors for 43 plate appearances and to his credit, earned some walks. So does he have some strike zone command? Yes. But we don't know who this guy is because he just keeps every time he gets successful, they push him up and they push him up and they push him up. And he hasn't had a chance to, to get that second turn around the league or, or to face those KG vets uh, day in and day out. That's what I love about guys getting time at triple A, man. Spinning the, the junk, the change ups, oh, yeah. all that stuff that gets thrown up there, that how they handle that kind of stuff. So 
to me, I I have not bought any shares of Dalton Pompey, uh, only because people are just buying them left and right and being very aggressive, and I'm not. Yeah, that, that, that he's a guy whose price I, I certain leagues he gets popped super early. Other leagues he lasted, so it was really kind of league specific. Uh, he wasn't someone that was, you know, like Souza, who was pretty much consistently going um, at, at at a, a pretty. I don't want to say high price, but at a price that you're like, okay, that, that that's a pretty tough price for a rookie. But I understand why between the two, I'd, I'd much rather buy Susan. In fact, did uh, when presented with the opportunity. I think I have one share of Pompey. The one thing I do like, um, or not the one thing, but one thing, another thing I like is that he is going to be batting lower in the lineup. So that'll keep a little bit of the pressure off of him. That's an intangible thing. Don't know how much that plays. But it is nice that, you know, for a team that wants to be contending, they're not throwing them right into the leadoff spot and saying, hey, kid, do it. They're, in fact, Roster Resource has him batting ninth. So that's kind of a, okay, kid, whatever you can deliver for us, we, we appreciate, but you don't have to be the catalyst for the lineup. And I will say this, if you're in a dynasty league and can draft anybody, his younger brother looks to be like Justin Upton was the BJ. Oh, wow. Go check out his younger oh, brothers wow. playing on the Canadian national team. Okay. So if you're in one of the – yeah, um, I know score sheet. You can – a lot of the score sheet leagues, you can draft who, who, whoever the heck you please. And like you said, a lot of dynasty leagues also allow the same thing. So that's interesting. Um, keep an eye on that for those of you who are in those super, super deep leagues. Uh, all right, Jason, that, that, those are the groupings that I made. Is there anybody I missed that you want, you really wanted to get a word in about? Mm, what should I think? I don't – Think I mean, so. there, I think there, there are some bland guys that I, I don't know that uh, are desperate uh, to be talked about. Michael Morse, I think he was mentioned in the first base podcast. Carlos Beltran might be one that uh, maybe we should have said a word or two about. Avoid. Okay, avo- I was going to say, <laughs> do you think there's a dead cap bounce or avoid? And, and there, there was your avoid. answer. He's 38 years old, so as great as he was um, you know, f- throughout his career, I absolutely love Carlos Beltran as a player. The, the problem is, is that, you know, because I've heard a lot of the analysis of he's just a year removed from a, from the 24 homer season, 296 average with St. Louis. The problem when you get past 35 is that it doesn't have to be a, a slow progression downward. It right. can be a cliff dive. And it wasn't even a cliff dive last year. He was 98 OPS plus uh, with, with 15 homers in his 109 games. So, you know, he, he might do something like that again. I just don't know that he's going to get back to being special, uh, as unfortunate as that is. Uh, for somebody who had an amazing career. So, yeah, I don't know if there's anybody else that you want to get a couple words in about. Um, I'm sure people will have guys that they want talked about in the in the comments. Oh, here's one. Michael Saunders. Uh, obviously, when the injury hit, it looked like he was going to miss half the season. That outlook's obviously changed. He's not going to be quite ready for opening day, but he's going to be returning much quicker than uh, the, the original prognosis. How do you feel about him in Toronto? Uh, I like him in Toronto. I know you know he's, he teased the 2020 in the past. Does have you know splits aren't exactly clean, but they're not ter- they're not uh, punitive uh, for you to own. You have to hope that the the leg holds up on the turf and and that doesn't reaggravate things because he's been playing on grass for most of his career, uh, if not all of it. So you hope uh, playing on that turf doesn't reaggravate it. We talked when we discussed my Tau team. I was thrilled to get him for ten bucks. I was surprised the guy that's going to be a double double player is going to be ten bucks. Here's one guy that I that I, I've seen pop up because he's earned his. It looks like he's going to be a starting guy. And I don't know if you guys talked about it. What about Ryan Rua for Texas? Ooh, yeah, briefly mentioned him um, yesterday that he did have the starting job. So yeah, we 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 were able to talk about him. What what do you think can he can do with that role? Um. I heard somebody say that he could hit 20 plus home runs and uh, no, I am not that, I am not that optimistic about him. I'll tell you this. If I'm, if I'm looking at, you know, looking at what he can do, I would take him over Torrey Hunter. Okay. Cause I think there's upside. I don't think there's Hunter. I yeah, don't think I, I would Hunter too. has upside, but I would take the fly on Ryan Rua over Torrey Hunter. Yeah, I, I think I would too. I think that that's, uh, that's completely fair. Um, I think Eno and I had talked about the fact that, you know, he is a righty, but there, there aren't really any lefties out there that are going to push him. So it looks like he should get a chance to uh, actually play here. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, uh, you know, that's not the hitter's haven that it used to be, though. Wasn't there some architectural change that kind of cut the jet yeah, stream a little did, bit? They did do some. De- they did do some club, extra club seating or something that cut the wind tunnel out well, that, that used to push everything out to right center. That was rude. 
Didn't they know that it does that suck. we uh, that we wanted that? Uh, that we that it, it it plays mostly it doesn't it plays mostly neutral. I mean, I was corrected on it. Some I think I tweeted something out, uh, and uh, some Rachel friends are like, "Dude, they changed it. Go check this out." And I went to go look, and I'm like, "Some bitch, you're right." Yeah, it's 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 just not what it was, and that I think that's a big thing that uh, people are utilizing for for Prince this year because there's no discount and for the on chew him. rebound. Yeah, and for the chew rebound. I love chew, and I really hope he rebounds. But man, you got me. Really nervous uh, with the uh, with the lefty analysis there because, like you said, that that's not changing. You know that, that he's not going to all of a sudden hit lefties here, and if if he keeps breaking down too, that's going to cut into it. So I've I've grown nervous about about my boy Chu, but uh, that's all right. Uh, there are plenty of other guys I, I I can get, and I'm not over invested in him. I was last year. I was super invested in him. Um, mm-hmm. Anybody else that 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 jumps out to you? Uh, no, uh, I'm all, I'm all set. Okay. Oh, one last one. Um, I'll, I'll combine them. David Peralta and Enciarte came out of nowhere last year in Arizona to actually do some some decent things. They had interesting pads. I think David Peralta was an independent league guy. Enciarte is more yeah, of a. He was a pitcher at one point. Oh wow. Yeah. See, I didn't I didn't even know that part. I just I knew I knew he was independent league. Twenty six year old comes up. Eight homers, six stolen bases. That 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 extrapolates out to seven, uh, 15 and 11. So he could have a double double season. Uh, 286 average, decent decent plate skills, nothing special. Um, of those two, NCRT more of just a, a pure speed play. But of those two, who would you be investing in? Um, I like Peralta's skills. I would like to one point get into a fantasy league where you draft positions and say I want the left fielder for Arizona because I think the combination of these two. Could be really, yeah, oh. or whatever, whatever position they're playing. I might, you know, I think the combination would be really nice. I might have the league for you then. Um, I'm, I'm working on something. Obviously, time is running out, but I may have just the league for you. I'm not going to say anything else about it. I'm going to leave it, leave it vague like that. We'll talk about it after we hang up here. This is going to yeah. wrap up the Wednesday. I'm super busy. I'm heading, I'm heading out to New York for the double super secret probation league. Uh oh. Uh oh. Well, that that sounds that sounds like a lot a lot of uh, intrigue there. We'll have to talk about that when you when you get back. But I'll let you get back to work. Thank you for joining me on the Wednesday edition here. Uh, we will be back on Sundays. We will do Sundays regularly. Although it's going to be interesting because I'm going to be starting my chats on Sundays, so we might have to do them Sunday afternoon when I do my Sunday evening chats. But folks, we won't do too many Wednesday editions on uh, for the Sunday one. It was just a, a scheduling conflict, and I felt like crap. I just felt like garbage on Sunday, so I had to push. But there you go, folks. And, and contrary, and contrary to popular opinion, it wasn't because WrestleMania was on because I still have not seen but about 30 minutes of WrestleMania. I don't know anything about wrestling, but my feed, uh, apparently the baseball wrestling Venn diagram is, is uh, pretty tight it's there. Pretty, it's pretty sizable. Yeah, and, and so from what I heard, at least from what I read, you're in for a treat because apparently folks were saying it was very good. Yeah, that's that's the kind of thing. I think I saw the last 35 minutes of it, and that's how, that's how it was. So it wasn't like this because I've been traveling, and then when I've been home, it's been a – Honey, I need you to do this. Honey, I need you to do that. Now I'm like, I know what there's some stuff I've got to do. So it's like Sunday, woke up, started everything. And by the time I sat down, it was 8:30 at night. And I was like, what the hell? Where did, where did my day go? But that's how it's been because it's taken off from New York uh, for a long weekend. Uh, you know, uh, Sarah's coming up to meet me uh, Friday morning, so she's flying up. So we're spending the weekend because we never get to do that uh, on some of these travels. It's always work for me, so we're combining the two this time. And uh, having fun like that. So yeah, Sundays will be regular. I don't, I don't foresee a Sunday conflict uh, for quite some time. That'll be great. And uh, you know, Sundays. I, I love baseball Sundays because um, obviously all the opening night this Sunday night. I know, and it's going to be awesome. It's um, I, I'm a, I'm really excited. Although it's also Mad Men opening night, so. I don't know. I'm gonna be flipping. Back. That's what that's what my wife will be watching. Yeah. When I'm watching the Cubs and Cardinals, she'll be watching Mad Men. I'm recording the game for sure, but the girlfriend and I are gonna watch Mad Men live-ish. We're gonna be a, a little bit behind, so we can fast forward. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll have to start the game, stop it, watch Mad Men, and then jump back in the game. So I'll be off of Twitter for a while because I won't want it spoiled. I'll actually just want to watch the game. Uh, I'm so excited, dude. We are so freaking close. I. Absolutely cannot wait. But anyway, I got to let you get back to work. I know it's the middle of the day there. We'll be back in a few days to talk some more on Sunday. Take care, Jason. All right, buddy. Bye.